what's really driven podcast ad sales and digital audio ad sales at iHeart is audience targeting and how it's caught up so fast. Um, and that has a lot of different versions. There's psychographic targeting where we can pull together a cohort of shows that we have enough data on to show you that it is a meaningful cohort, a contextual cohort of the kind of audience you're looking for. We can also get even more specific and do actual targeting around demos and age and territories. All I'm saying is this medium has come a very long way in two or three years to look a lot like digital media. What can you learn from someone who oversees a network of nearly a thousand shows with more than 250 million downloads per month? Today, we're chatting with an exec in the audio space, but not just the audio space. As we see elsewhere in the great smush, AKA the ultimate convergence, capabilities and activities are coming together. TikTok is doing games, Fortnite's doing movies, Meta's Horizon Worlds is VR, sure, but it's also watch parties and so much more. Twitter does live streaming. Everybody is putting everything together. In a similar way, perhaps, today's guest is mashing up audio, music, gaming, NFTs, and perhaps even fitness. Welcome to Clever Tab Engage. My name is John Goodseer. And I'm Peggy Ann Saltz, and together we profile executives and companies achieving meaningful, memorable, and clever customer engagement. And this episode, yes, it's all coming together. We're chatting with Connell Byrne. He is CEO at iHeartMedia Digital Audio Group, number one podcast publisher globally, and the industry-leading iHeartRadio digital service. But before joining iHeartMedia, Connell was also a pioneer in podcast as president and CEO of Stuff Media. Might remember, home of popular shows including How Stuff Works and Stuff You Should Know. And before that, he was the senior vice president of digital media for Discovery and Communications, where he ran digital for all of Discovery's U.S. networks, sites, social platforms, bringing it all together. Welcome, Connell. Great to have you. Thank you guys so much, John, Peggy. It means a lot that uh, you give me 20, 30 minutes to have a conversation with you. Really appreciate it. Hey, let's start here. You are hired to grow and you're already reaching nine out of 10 Americans monthly. So you got massive market reach. Where do you grow from there? So I think it, it's helpful to go back a little bit and, and understand what we're growing from, what sort of base we're growing from. Um, I'll do the really quick history here is 15, 16 years ago, I was the general manager of a website called HowStuffWorks.com. And what we realized at that site was our best asset wasn't necessarily the articles we were putting out there into the world, which our goal was to explain everything and anything under the sun. Our best asset was the people who worked at the company. They were inherently really good storytellers. Um, and so when podcasting started to rear its head, we soundproofed a few rooms. We put some uh, heretofore copywriters into these rooms and they started to tell stories conversationally about the stuff that they had just written. And sometimes at least the beginning, the spark is that easy. We suddenly had five, six, seven shows that you're right, Peggy, as you listed them off, have become some of the biggest podcasts in the world, like Stuff You Should Know. Um, that grew and grew. And suddenly, 10 years later, we were one of the biggest podcast networks in an industry that was just forming called podcasting. 
iHeartMedia came along in 2018 and acquired this company because iHeart realized a probably permanent new way that a lot of people are going to listen to audio storytelling is through this very cool new medium called podcasting. At that point, we had 60, 70 million downloads a month. Today, cut to four or five years in, we have nearly 500 million downloads a month when you really count all of our shows. The growth is exceptional. The reason for that growth, and this is back to the point, is the stat you said, John. iHeart, through its broadcast radio channels, has a reach on parity with the likes of Google and Facebook in the United States through sheer mass reach of broadcast radio. The company reaches 9 out of 10 American adults a month. That is rarefied air for a media company to be in. Why does it matter to podcasting? Because we've been able to put that marketing to work for the shows that we launch. And for the shows we already had, we're able to layer on huge mass reach marketing in broadcast radio to bring big audiences, but importantly, new audiences to podcasting. Keep in mind, broadcast radio reaches a lot of listeners, yes, on the coast, but also in the heartland, in the Midwest, in the center of America, where sometimes edgy big tech is slow to penetrate, but broadcast radio is not. And so we've been able to bring a bunch of new people into podcasting, starting with our shows, and it's meant all the growth in the world for us over the last, uh, especially two, three years. That is growth through talent and building there. But you're not just building in terms of size, you're deepening audience ties. You're shifting from stories to services. This is a fascinating story that I've been looking at. And one of the things you've said is this is all possible because you're building capabilities to quote unquote world build for your audience. New term for me. What do you mean by that? Well, it means a couple things. Um, We have tried very hard to not just be good at one kind of podcasting or one genre of podcasting. Podcasting has exploded, especially in genres that we all know well, like true crime and now news. We have tried to actually spread the wealth and our success across 19 or 20 categories. A stat that I love is we have over 50 podcasts that drive over a million monthly downloads each and those are across 19 or 20 different genres. So we are not a a one trick uh, pony as it were. And that's been very deliberate and intentional. How did we get there? We intentionally partnered with, I believe the best and brightest in the world of content creation to go deep and world build inside these genres. So in comedy, We partnered a few years ago with Will Ferrell to launch a podcast called the Ron Burgundy Podcast. You are welcome, America. Um, (laughs) And we thank you. (laughs) Speaking for the country, we we thank you. Um, The reason I like that story is not just because that's an awesome show. And by the way, the new season launches mid-June. I think it's season five now. It is always the funniest season ever. Trust me. Um, the reason I like the story is because Will Ferrell fell in love with the podcast medium through that show. And the reason we were the, the benefactor of that is because he wanted to launch a network. He wanted to launch a standalone company with us and build a world in this new medium that he felt like was a total unfettered creative playground and a perfect place to find, develop, and break new comedic talent in, in America. And so he built a company. 
called Big Money Players that we are co-owners in with Will Ferrell. We support all the production and marketing. He brings the creative genius that he is to the table and, and recruits and develops talent. What he's really done is just build a whole new world of comedic of comedic podcasters. They're podcasters to start with. They will turn into a lot of other things, whether it's TV, film, book writers, or touring artists, but it's a good example. It's one of several. Every single category where we felt like, you know, we could probably get there on our own. It might take us a bit long, but let's level up and partner with Will Ferrell or Malcolm Gladwell or Shonda Rhimes or Will Packer or Charlemagne the God. We have. And it's meant we could just go, we could just go a little bit faster, sometimes a lot faster. That is a great story about how you're pushing the envelope. You're involving new talent. You're reaching new audiences by, as you said, world build. But you're also in other worlds, which is very interesting. One world is gaming. Yeah. And an excellent example, iHeartland. Tell us about that. Where is that collaboration today? Because I think you announced it in March, so fairly recently. We did. Um, we are, we are a, we have two or three things at our core. Um, we are an influencer-driven company. We have a roster of amazing storytellers. Um, people use that term a lot in media, but it's hard to be a grade A tier one storyteller. Um, it's hard to make conversation that then turns into culture and, and trends. That's actually a hard skill. And broadcast radio is exceedingly good at that, at honing that human craft of talking, the power of, of conversation. So that's the first thing we are. We are really empowered because we're at our core roster of, I think, the best storytellers in the world. The second thing we are, though, is mass reach. Um, we have, again, the benefit of being able to take those influencers and connect them with mass reach audiences in all 50 states across the country. So I say all that to say, when a new platform arises, like Roblox with 200 million monthly active users or Epic Fortnite with 100 million monthly active users, give or take, we sit up and take notice. And we start to ask ourselves questions of, as a mass reach media company that wants to meet audiences where they are, this is a almost a mandate inside our company is to meet audiences where they are, to not force them into our app, our platform, to meet them halfway, meet them where they where they are. Um, as a widely distributed content company, we start to think to ourselves, well, how would we show up then to those 200 million monthly actives in Roblox or the 100 million in Epic Fortnite? What should we show up like? What should we sound like? What's the best version of iHeart on these platforms? And that meant us digging in deep um, with Roblox several months ago and starting to think about and getting a lot of feedback from them of what would you want iHeart to look and specifically sound like on your platform. Again, this is a super interesting demo in Roblox given that it's 200 million monthly actives, but it's two thirds, roughly 16 years old and younger. That said, it, it's a demo that's aging up just a little, but aging up quickly. Um, so it's, it's a complicated demographic. How do you program for kids? Um, how do you turn that into a business very carefully is the answer. 
um, all of these questions arise and we sat down with Roblox and we said, look, just fundamentally, what does it look like for somebody like iHeart that's very good at storytelling and programming to show up like on a, on a platform like Roblox? And we, you're right, Peggy, we landed on this idea of iHeartland, which will launch uh, later this summer, which is yes. in effect a map uh, inside Roblox where much more to come on this because we're being sort of careful about what we announce when, but the build is underway. And the, the, the thrust of this is persistent, awesome programming, where you feel like you can come and see live podcasts, live artists, musicians performing, interact with them in ways that the metaverse lets you sort of level up how you might interact with them in IRL amidst all the awesome gameplay and interactivity that these platforms are really good at anyway. And so for us, it's funny, like four or five years ago at iHeart, there was a buzz about podcasting when we all sort of felt like this is very real. Um, this was before 120 million Americans a month were listening to a podcast. We already felt like this is very real. That same buzz is sort of alive right now at iHeart around the potential of the metaverse and us viewing it as a persistent, maybe permanent new platform that we can do awesome stuff on for fans. So much more to come, but it's, it is, it is world building at its finest, I hope. Now you're bringing in NFTs as well. You talked Web3, you talked Metaverse. Well, hey, here's a little bit of NFT, maybe even some crypto, who knows? Where do NFTs fit in your content strategies and how are you going to leverage that in and around all that you do already? NFTs hit our radar like anyone in media who wasn't living under a rock uh, <laughs> maybe a year and a half, two years ago. And they hit our radar like everybody's as sort of um, collectibles first, I think. Yep. That has evolved fast. And I fu I'm fully aware that some months NFTs have a good month in the public perception. And some months they take a hit because everyone thinks they're, they're not real and, 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 should, and we should all move on from them. We don't think that. I, I think NFT technology, of course, blockchain technology more largely put, but NFT technology is as much of a game changer as, as some have said. We think of NFTs, the reason we think that is because we think of NFTs in three different ways. Just because easier to remember, I sort of think of it as three C's, collectibles, community, and content. And we are moving down each of these paths in parallel. As collectibles, sure, we will launch a bunch of awesome NFT collections off of our coolest IP. We've already started to do that and fans like it, they engage with it, they appreciate it. We have a thing called the iHeartRadio Music Festival in Las Vegas every September. It's an awesome two-day lineup of the best musicians in the world. Um, we launched a series of NFTs off that last September. The Breakfast Club, one of our biggest morning shows, picked a couple digital artists that they loved and wanted to highlight. They launched two NFT collections off each of those artists. They sold out in 45 minutes. It was awesome. We will continue to do that. Collectibles. The second version for us of NFTs sort of leveling up digital media is community. For anyone that has joined a DAO or joined a token-gated community of any kind, whether it's a bona fide DAO or just an NFT community that gives you some sort of utility or membership, 
you know that the difference between that, the empowerment and the sense of community that you feel as compared to simply following a Twitter handle or liking a Facebook page is a big difference. And before, if I wanted to show my membership, as it were, in an IP or in a community, I would like a Facebook page. I would follow them on Twitter. Today, if I own a token or an NFT that gives me membership into that community, it's a whole different ballgame. The membership, sometimes literally the governance I feel around that IP is new and exciting. We want to do that and experiment with that with 5, 10, 15 of our biggest IPs, whether it's Stuff You Should Know or The Breakfast Club or or uh, the iHeartRadio series of programming live events we have every year, like Jingle Ball. Huge potential for us to turn those into token-gated communities also. Um, the third version for us is content. And in a way, this is maybe the most creatively exciting for us. I'll give you one example just to make it very specific. We were sort of taken with this idea that a lot of the best known NFT collections are PFPs or character-based NFTs, obviously. And so we thought of this idea of acquiring a series of NFTs like a mutant ape, a crypto punk, a world of women, a loot, a quirky. And with the intention of turning those into podcast hosts. So we acquired 10 to 15 NFTs. We put a bunch of amazing, actually, mostly comedy writers in a writer's room. They built backstories for these characters. We brought in some of our best producers. We brought in awesome voice actors and we're breathing life sort of literally into these NFT characters as podcast hosts for a slate of shows we will launch across the next 12 months called the Non-Fun Squad. <laughs> I love it. You're, 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 you're welcome, Silicon Valley. <laughs> so, so some of this is, is so silly and irreverent that, that, it, that it's almost flippant and, and sort of wacky. But it's also just, it's really fun to see creatives build whole cloth new IP. I know technically it isn't because we're building it off the back of NFTs, but... Turning an NFT, a JPEG in a sense, into a whole new IP that is mashed up together in a way that you can't really do in traditional media. You're not going to see Harry Potter co-star with Luke Skywalker <laughs> because of a plethora of reasons. But to be able to do that kind of stuff creatively in the world of NFT technology is really exciting. And... Not to mention the potential of building out a whole new NFT collection from the non-fun squad. But just imagine, I mean, the first episode of this will launch in the next few weeks. And to imagine, say, a, a mutant ape co-hosting a podcast with a crypto punk and just sort of talking about where th they come from and why they're doing this show. Just creatively, it's really exciting. So for anyone older than a certain age, they will know the rock band called Gorillaz. I was just thinking that. <laughs> I was just thinking gorillas. It's gorillas for podcast. It's gorillas for podcast. And Peggy, the reason I say that is because we have a lot of sellers at iHeart who are the best sellers in audio, I think, in, in the world. And 
I said everything I just said to you guys, and they were still like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then I said, okay, it's gorillas for podcasting. And everyone was like, oh, I got, got it. it. <laughs> Perfect. I have to say, you are different from very, very many of our guests. You go out, you meet the customers, you meet the audience where they are halfway, and you're thinking about things that are sounding like, you're just going to land in con lions with, you know, out of a, out of a spaceship. It's just so. The shareholders won't like that one. <laughs> Stepping out of a spaceship with, with, with a rosé in hand as our stock price. Uh, we'll it's see the Elon that. Musk partnership. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's a talent to have your finger on the pulse like that. But I remember from our prep, you made a very bold statement, and now I totally get it, but I want to have more depth to this. You said most brands are on mute. What do you mean by that? If you look at how we, the people who consume media, all the people who watch all this amazing programming on streaming channels and listen to all these amazing podcasts, I think if you walked up to anyone, even the sophisticated sort of Illuminati of, me of media and said, hey, break it down for me. What do you think the consumption pie looks like in terms of audio? How much of the media we consume is audio? I think you'd get back answers around, I don't know, 10, 15%. And the truth is 31%. A third of all the stuff that we consume <laughs> as rabid, voracious media consumers is audio. By the way, I'll break that down a little further. 75% of that audio is broadcast radio. Wow. <laughs> That's the stat that I guarantee you wow. everyone would get wrong. They would probably say, I don't know, maybe it's half streaming apps. Pandora, Spotify, etc. No, it's 75% broadcast radio. And I'll do one more. <laughs> if you wanted to ask a marketer, okay, how much of that 31% when you take into account ads, how much of that is ad enabled a marketing vehicle for my brand? You're up to 90% by not complicated, controversial math. You're up to 90% broadcast radio. Now, I don't mean to go off on a tangent and sing the praises of broadcast radio for the rest of this interview. It's just really an important level set. Because as we think of audio being this hugely outsized part of our media consumption, what we're talking about is broadcast radio. Now, that aside, you have this new medium coming up very fast in, in podcasting. So tons of growth in this new medium, but let's know and realize what the scale is today. Okay, knowing all that and filing that data point away, if you were to walk into an ad agency or a brand on the ground in a hyper-local market in America, I can guarantee you that their marketing spend is not proportionately aligned to that 31%. And there's a bevy of reasons, I was gonna say excuses, but reasons <laughs> as to why, well, it's hard, how do I, how do I market something without the visual? You ever hear of word of mouth? The single most powerful marketing vehicle in the world is still a friend telling you to do something because you have leapfrogged the most important thing in media and the hardest to build, 
which is trust. I guarantee you, if you walked into any marketer in the country and said, hey, just break down your marketing spend. Is it is it 31% audio? It's not going to be 31% audio. So without sounding harsh, because I want to fix this, and I, we work with brands every day to, to uh, level this up, um, brands are... I believe playing catch up to that stat. Again, this goes back to our adamant belief of if you want to meet audiences where they are, you have to think about shifting some of your marketing spend to audio. And as an asterisk on that, what I mean by that is shifting a lot of your audio spend to broadcast radio. Take another look at it because it's where your listeners are. It's where your, your consumers are. That's what we mean by your brand might be on mute if you're not careful. Let's talk about customization. You've got massive scale. Um, you're, you're reaching nine in 10 Americans, and I'm sure many more beyond that as well. How do you customize? How do you segment and personalize somebody what they need? I know you're doing something interesting with Move Labs for fitness. How do you do that there and in other areas? Customization, I think, is is the next chapter of, of digital audio. Um, we're in it now, by the way. I don't mean to pretend like this isn't happening now all of the all of the targeting and attribution tools that digital media is well known for podcasting for example has caught up to almost entirely in the last 24 or 36 months we don't think of our almost 500 million downloads a month as here's a bunch of titles that we can do host red ads on we can do that and we do um, and those are highly customized and you have the best influencers in the world telling your brand story. Again, Will Ferrell, Malcolm Gladwell, Charlemagne the God, Nikki Glaser, Bo and Yang. I can go on and on <laughs> telling your brand stories. Yes, that is that is still maybe the best ad unit uh, in the world right now in podcasting. But what's really driven podcast ad sales and digital audio ad sales at iHeart is audience targeting and how it's caught up so fast. Um, and that has a lot of different versions. There's psychographic targeting where we can pull together a cohort of shows that we have enough data on to show you that it is a meaningful cohort, a contextual cohort of the kind of audience you're looking for. We can also get even more specific and do actual targeting around demos and age and territories. All I'm saying is this medium has come a very long way in two or three years to look a lot like digital media. What I think the some of the most exciting stuff happening now is in voice technology. Being able to capture, with always with the permission, by the way, of creators. I, I never want to overlook that. But starting to experiment with enough of the capture of a human voice so as to be able to tailor it to the 50 states around the country or the 160 markets around the country so that you're not just doing a single host red ad as a national campaign, but you're customizing and tailoring that to the local markets. Now, that can be in the local sort of lexicon and dialogue. It can also just reference local stuff. That is super exciting. By the way, I hate to keep coming back to this. It's what broadcast radio is amazing at. It really is. Broadcast radio at its core is almost 900 stations in local markets. Podcasting is catching up to that. A digital audio generally is going to catch up to that through technology. And there's a lot of great engineers working on this fast. 
it's just one of those things you don't want to roll it out too early or marketers and creators um, might not think it's good enough and then you're set back a couple of years because they won't try it again. Mm -hmm. So we'll get it exactly right and then roll it out. But I think this is a 2023 thing. I don't think it's a 2027 thing. And just the ability to take an incredible creator and say, look, you're used to national level host red ads. Let's actually tailor this to 50 states or 172 cities or whatever uh, through voice capture is awesome. That you control then through a tech software. Very simple. Could be really, really awesome. That kind of customization is pretty cool. But look. Today, right now, if a brand big or small walked into iHeartMedia and said, I want to come in at any altitude in audio, I want a highly tailored branded podcast, the likes of which we've done for T-Mobile and Under Armour and Scott's miracle Grow and IBM, or, or I want a hyper-local podcast in just these seven markets with exactly this kind of geo-targeted demographic, Either one is okay with us, and either one can involve an influencer, this word that gets used a lot in media, but either one can involve a creator, and that's pretty unique. That is an incredible portfolio to engage audiences, Connell, really. And you're talking about all the different ways you're going to be doing this. You know, the thing about the hyper-local, that is very exciting. But, of course, the other side of this and what we always end our show with is we talk about how to create amazing experiences, but also about how to retain the audiences. So I have to ask you, what's your golden rule of retention? Well, first of all, when we talk about retention, I'll, I'll tell you what's been strange and awesome about podcasting <laughs> is that as it has grown in monthly listeners, the engagement rate has not declined. That is odd. Usually your early adopter, your early adopter super fans engage hugely. And then as you reach mass reach, the average individual's engagement decreases just a little bit. We just haven't seen that in podcasting. It has held very high, very lean in. Um, look, the golden rule for podcasting is if the microphone were broken, what would you still be talking about? <laughs> and actually funny. It, I, I steal that from John Cassavetes, a great film director who said, sometimes when I'm making film, the moment is so real and the acting is so good with, he had this sort of family or troupe of actors that he constantly worked with, that I almost wish the camera would break because it's the only artificial thing in the room. And I sort of dragged that metaphor into podcasting. If you're podcasting about something that you would keep talking about if the, if, the, if the microphone broke, you're doing it right. It's so authentic and genuine that you will find an audience. This rule holds. If you saw Will Ferrell in production on Ron Burgundy, all the way through to Stuff You Should Know, that still publishes twice a week, 15, 16 years later, and has never missed a published date as a promise to their fans. Um, that, that, that rule really holds. And so when we bring in new creators into the medium, whether they're very well-known or just new voices that deserve to be well-known, that's our job, is to find their path toward that total comfort and authenticity. I honestly think we've done a pretty good job of this so far. A lot of our hard work has gone into, yes, recruiting amazing talent, but also building a team of really good producers. Um, that's the hard part. So, been great. 
Wonderful. I think we nailed Wonderful. it, John, because we would continue this even if the microphone was broken. Don't you agree? <laughs> yes, exactly. I would be having this conversation anyways. This is your moment to say, well, I guess this is when we say the microphone's broken, so we got to do all that over. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> This has been great, Connell. Thank you so much for this time. Uh, I've, I've learned a lot. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Awesome. John, Peggy, thank you guys. Really appreciate it. I know you guys are busy and it, it means a lot to make time for me. Thank you. Thank you. Definitely a plus one from here, Connell. I can't wait to see all this cool stuff. You've got me interested again in audio. Thanks so much. Awesome. Take care, everybody. Cool. Have a good day. And for our audience, if you've been watching the video, hey, we also publish this in an audio podcast which is easy to consume on the go on the train in the plane wherever you are and if you happen to be on the audio version you know what you can see us which is amazing incredible for some of you i guess search for us on youtube to chill watch us whenever you want this podcast is about finding the world's best marketers and getting their top tips and we focus on major brands with big stories to tell. So if you fit the bill, DM John or me on Twitter or LinkedIn, and we'll set you up with a show of your own. Until then, this is Peggy Ann Saltz. And this is John Kutzier for Clever Tap Engage.